taste of science. Your fight or flight response. Taste of science. Tectonic weapons. Nuclear weapons. Taste of science. Earthquake gun, I guess. Why is it on the internet? Welcome to the first ever episode of Tosh After Dark, a podcast for film lovers and the sci curious. Run by Taste of Science Houston, a local chapter of a national nonprofit, every month we'll dive into the accuracies and inaccuracies of science in the various films. You can find us at tasteofscience.org slash Houston or on social media at tasteofsci-h-o-u. Make sure to stay tuned for our weird science fact at the end of the show. And without any further ado, welcome to the first episode of Tosh After Dark. All right. That's how it's going to show up in the podcast? No. <laughs> yes. All right. <laughs> Welcome to the inaugural podcast of Taste of Science Houston. We are trying to do something new here. We are trying to see uh, how we can complain about scientific movies and see if we can entertain you in the process. So uh, without too much further ado, uh, I'm going to introduce myself. My name is John. Uh, I do neuroscience that has nothing to do with the movie of today, which is the core. Uh, Next on the list is Jim. Jim? Uh, My name is Jim. I do... work as a geologist in oil and gas doing drilling automation all right next in the list is jenny i am jenny i'm a global seismologist working as a geophysicist on the oil and gas industry all right next on the list is ariel i am ariel i'm an anthropologist and today i'm just along for the ride (laughs) (laughs) and finally we have uh, on the list pedro Hello, uh, I'm Pedro. I am a cancer biologist, so much like the screenwriters of the core, I know nothing about geology. So uh, uh, we have both insiders and outsiders in the industry and in the science to talk about a really, really crappy movie, The Core. We are not the first to comment that this is a terrible movie, uh, but hopefully we'll make the last comments on it because no one would be better than us on this. Uh, I think that our, our resident geophysicists and geologists probably have a few issues with the movie, so I'll, I'll open it up and let's have some general comments. What do you think about The Core? All right. First of all, I don't know a lot about pacemakers, but I'm pretty sure if your pacemaker turns off, you don't just, like, fall over dead. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure that was, like, the densest concentration. And this is the first scene of the movie, right? It, it's literally the opening scene, and they're like, in this, like, five-block radius, 40 people died because their pacemakers turned off. That's a lot of people with pacemakers <laughs> in a very small area. So Unless it was Florida. I don't know how likely that is. Yeah. It, it just yeah i i don't i don't know i know pacemakers and you know magnetic fields don't mix but i just i feel like you don't literally fall over dead the the the, the adult prevalence of pacemakers is 2.6 per 1000 so just just to let you know 
Also, I want to point out that part of the premise of the movie is that the core stop, therefore the magnetic field is going to die within a year, but the peacemakers died within seconds. So if the magnetic field is dying slowly, which would not possibly happen because if the core stops spinning, the magnetic field just stops, period. Uh, What do you mean? You don't have a year to prepare? I don't understand. No, you don't. You don't. Like, if that stops, it stops, period. (laughs) So you mean pigeons would not just start bumping into buildings? I'll give the core this, right? They had that scene where, like, that was clearly just the director who was like, I really like Alfred Hitchcock, so can we just do the birds for, like, Yes, exactly. I mean, please, let's talk about pigeons, because that seems incredible. So I guess, like, the core was slowing down, maybe, and parts of it were weaker and parts of it were stronger or something. I don't know. I feel like I'm giving them a lot of uh, uh, leeway leeway or, like, a huge benefit of the doubt for that. But I really think it was just, can we have birds just, like, die? No. (laughs) But they weren't even just dying. They were they were like destroying themselves into buildings and windows. Yeah. Like yeah, if even if you even if you like like give them the benefit of the doubts that maybe their navigation system was messed up because of issues with the electromagnetic field. They still they can still see. have eyes. Yes, thank you. Exactly, they still can see. <laughs> That's literally my note yes. for that scene. Birds have exactly. eyes. Exactly. So, so to, to interject on something that I do know a little bit about, uh, the, as someone who does neuro stuff, there is birds do have magnetoreception. Uh, so it's a, con- it's a controversial on how exactly they can do it, but they clearly were able to sense magnetic fields. If you put them in a cage in the dark, uh, they will scratch towards a particular direction, and all of them will scratch towards the particular direction, no matter where the, the building is and which way it's facing. Like, uh, they just, they like, uh, they are trying to go in a specific direction to get to the, their roost or whatever, uh, and they'll know it completely in the dark. So that's but, really no, cool no. that they, they got that. But when not in uh, the dark, do they just run into sh- stuff? Okay, again, yeah. assuming that you have a year to prepare, that is not consistent with within a year we'll see the effects. It's happening right now, which is consistent right. that if it stops, it's messing up with everything right now. But like, also like it's Jim said... It's not consistent. Yes, but like Jim said, birds have eyes, even yes. if their navigation system was messed up, which, fair enough. Unless all of those would... windows were cleaned with Windex. <laughs> yeah, but that doesn't explain the ones who are running into, like, statues. Yeah. Yes. They clean, they clean the statues with Windex, too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, if, if the GPS in your car stops working, you're not going to start driving into buildings. Well, like, I mean, you let's, may not know where pe- you're pe- People have like just, just funny enough. <laughs> uh, also, I know it was like a real short scene, like right before that, but I did enjoy the vague yet menacing government agents coming for the main character in the middle yeah. of a class. I mean, that's a classic of scientific movies, right? It's like Deep Impact. We cannot tell you anything. You just need to get in the jet right now, and we'll wait until you're in a morgue full of dead bodies until we are able to finally disclose to you why we need you. We're going to keep the general hidden, hiding behind the bodies, so that you don't see him when you walk in, for the dramatic reveal. I actually feel that if all is confidential, they need to sign paperwork before all that. There are no DNA side or anything. No DNA. Well, that, that, that would. NDAs. Sorry, I, I confused it. 
Also, I'm not getting in a car with anyone if they don't show me their badge first. I don't. <laughs> I think they skipped that part as well. <laughs> oh no, they did. They did. They did show it. Briefly. You got to remember, this is the early 2000s when you know everything was all right. <laughs> Your friendly neighborhood G-man shows up. You just get in his car because he's the friendly neighborhood G-man. Well, maybe for a guy as a female, you don't get in a car with anybody that you don't know unless they have proof of. There's so many serious. Oh no, 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 no! In, in coming from police officers. And coming from Venezuela, even if they show it to me, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I still, I also like the Fabian going back to the, um, you know, as, as Jenny was saying, the magnetic field is going to die in a year, but suddenly all of the pacemakers all die at the same time. Suddenly all of the navigation uh, abilities of all the birds die. But all of the electronic cameras keep working like if nothing happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you oh, would yeah. need to... You, it's possible to generate a magnetic Consistency. pulse. But, yeah, so let, let's actually talk a little bit about the, the general premise of the movie. Uh, the core stopping. What about that? Thing? It's uh, batshit <laughs> fucking insane. Like, there are such things as magnetic field reversals. That has happened, it has been documented in the actually oceanic crust from now up to, I think, 200 million years is the oldest oceanic crust available. So within that, you can actually see, uh, or there is evidence that the magnetic field has actually flipped in time. And there is also some studies that actually seem to indicate that at the present time, either we're experiencing one or we're very close to a reversal on the magnetic field. It has not happened yet. <laughs> but from that to just stop, that's a completely insane. So, Jim, keep going. Like, like the inner core is an 800-mile diameter uh, sphere of nickel iron. And then the outer core is 1,400 miles. So In meters, they please. somehow, without anybody knowing, <laughs> managed to get enough energy to Alaska to stop like a trillion trillion tons of liquid nickel iron from spinning and nobody noticed (laughs) until birds and pacemakers stop working so a question on that two parts one the core reversal if that happens are we all going to die no one really knows Mm -hmm. at least as far as i'm aware no one has managed to figure out how quickly the the magnetic field reverses. So the the problem with looking at magnetic field reversals in the rock record is you're looking at the ocean floor, which moves like maybe two centimeters a year. And that's fast. Yeah, and that's fast. Recorded slice for a single year of, of that magnetism is very, very thin. So we actually can't read the fineness of how fast they reverse, at least when I was looking at research for this. Uh, we can't tell how fast they reverse. It could be like very, very quick. Like it could be like a hundred years, but life still exists on the planet. So it can't be like the field turns off for like a hundred years. The earth gets baked into oblivion and then leaves. And then like it comes back. So whatever it is, it's fast and the atmosphere and everything else still offers enough protection that life continues to exist. On, on that note, can I also ask, like, you know, if if it was to completely stop and uh, the magnetosphere was affected, would it 
suddenly open a hole over San Francisco? <laughs> no. <laughs> we we no. can always cross our fingers, but no, probably. No, even, even, even if, as Jim says, like we actually have a gap on the magnetic field, which even if that happens, there is other shit, not only the magnetosphere, like there is other yeah. shit protecting us from it. And it has, and we're still alive, and this has happened not once or twice. This has happened quite a few times already, and we still exist. <laughs> S- scientifically speaking, what is this other shit? Yeah. Uh, well... <laughs> The atmosphere, the mesosphere, the ionosphere, yeah. like the, all these other layers that actually are between the Earth and... Yeah. So, it would be a super long-term problem, because, like, Mars doesn't have a magnetosphere, and Mars doesn't have an atmosphere, and at least when I was kind of looking stuff up, it, there's evidence that Mars no longer has an atmosphere because it lost its magnetic field, and over the time span of millions to billions of years, the solar wind stripped the atmosphere. Um, even the relatively like conservative estimates are a magnetic reversal can take like 10,000 years to actually complete a reversal. And the last one was only 770,000 years ago or so. There was a lot of things alive 770,000 exactly, years ago. Exactly, we were still alive. There was a still life there. Yeah. And I actually read an article says that the, that we have some sort of genetic way to kind of adapt to those changes so we had a building in us so even if it's happening right now we would just have to change how our navigation system works but would would be probably okay yeah the Um, the bigger issue is like when you get a really large solar flare it interacts weird with the magnetosphere but it can mess up spacecraft because radiation um especially ionizing radiation can do exactly what it says and ionize things modern microchips are on the like the like transistors and and all the little parts that actually make up a microchip are like nanometers like they're so small that the the radiation can actually damage them and that's where the bigger problem with like these massive solar flares are uh for satellites it's not like the same problem that we have with the power grid on earth it's the actual circuitry can get damaged and no longer work. But on Earth, we have 100 miles of atmosphere full of water, and water's a really good radiation insulator. The magnetosphere doesn't block UV radiation really much. That's why we can get sunburns. But it takes hours to get a sunburn. So maybe sunburns happen faster, but no, you don't don't see a death... It's not going to be a death ray (laughs) coming through and melting the Golden Gate Bridge. That's what I was going to say. So if we stop having a magnetosphere, you suddenly are going to melt the bridge. No, no. Not the cars. The cars were safe. The bridge was melted, but the cars were safe. The cars were fine. And they protected you as a human inside the car. But the bridge was down. Very realistic. Did like uh, when they land on the the Los Angeles River. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't think it would work. It takes like my it took like a mile long runway for the space shuttle to slow down when it was landing at Edwards Air Force Base. And also, how did they not know the shuttle was like 130 miles off course before it came <laughs> through the clouds? Um, yes. Radar still worked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. 
All right. So one last sort of symptom of the core stopping. Let's uh, and then we'll uh, we'll move on to some of the more interesting things inside the Earth. What what about the lightning storms? Yeah. How do you feel about that? Is it, it, do how would that even begin to work? I'm not a meteorologist. I have no idea. <laughs> exactly. Maybe solar radiation is exciting something in the atmosphere, and it's like they said, static discharge coming down. That's the best I got. I don't. I actually, I, I've never heard of a connection between the magnetic field and weather-related things, but probably I just didn't dig deep enough in school. I've never heard of it. Yeah, the other thing I'm not so sure about was actually the, like, aurora all around the world, because the auroras, when the magnetosphere captures solar wind and funnels it down, and it ionizes and excites it to a higher energy state, and then when it comes back down, it releases photons of a color, kind of like if you toss a penny in a fire, it, uh, or the fire glows green from the copper. Never tried that. I'll try that soon. Yeah, they actually, mm. so this is my growing up in northern states where it's, you know, not sunny for three or four months. They make these pine cones and they're just covered with like i think it's like uh, copper yeah. basically copper dust and you toss it into a fire and because it's dust and it's a pine cone it excites it and it makes all these cool green sparks and stuff and they sell a couple different versions to make different colors and it's just but uh, no magnetosphere no aurora like you, you need them like the magnetosphere is why there's an aurora so basically the you get the if the magnetosphere goes away there's no way we'd have more of said aurora. Okay. Well, but I, th I think the whole point was that at that time, the magnetosphere hadn't gone away yet, right? It was chaotic. It was just shifting. Oh, okay. And it was chaotic. So if it was shifting, wouldn't you expect the aurora borealis to happen in, like, different parts of the Earth? Yeah, is it, that, it, I mean, it, that if was... it's shifting, it can happen in different parts. But it, if it's growing, like, the weaker it is, the less aurora. So, but if it, yeah. if it if it shifted that much, then every Boy Scout with a compass would be able to notice that. Yeah, the, uh, yeah. That... But this was not a case of shifting. This oh, that, was that, a that, case that's... of stopping. I I I, th I think we're trying to get give the writer some credit, which may be a fool's errand here. Uh, <laughs> that but... may be a fool's errand. Yeah. I do love because we're kind of getting there the drill ship thing that they make, and oh. just the like they're like what's what's the scientific way we can drill through rock? I don't know lasers and. <laughs> you can laser beams. You can like, yeah, Lasers you can burn a hole in rock with a laser, but like, you know, it takes a really long time, and that's a relatively new thing. And they're like, no, 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 that's not science enough. They're like, what about also sound waves? What if both? Yeah, what if we combine yes. lasers and sound? What if well, both? No, no, they 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 actually use that in uh, in medicine to some extent that they have to break up, uh, you to can... break up kidney stones. Right. Again, if you use lasers and have the converge and pul like pulse them, they cause a little excitation in the area, and you have uh, multiple lasers converging on the same place. You can play with the sound wave and do some interesting thing with acoustics uh, generated yeah, from. Yeah, you can lasers. do focal guided ultrasounds in cancer research as well. Like, yeah. to to create little nicks in in tumors. That's that's something that exists. But, little nicks but, like Stevie nicks. Yes, exactly. Yes. Little Stevie nicks is actually inside <laughs> your kidneys, uh, breaking down. Uh, <laughs> Pedro and John, <laughs> you guys have done, like, animal research, right? 
at one point yes uh, <laughs> are we going to talk about the odd protocols that you'd need to have in place to like put a mouse into yeah, yeah. like a cage of an altadium <laughs> yeah that's actually what i was going to ask like, that was like and like throws yeah that, that 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 did not pass the irb research uh <laughs> I, yeah well to be fair the guy had been like exiled into the middle of the desert <laughs> so i think he was probably outside of the limits of governmental I mean, he 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 probably didn't have much money in the and was just kind of bullshitting around and was like, "Look, yeah. best case scenario, mouse lives. Worst case scenario, lunch." <laughs> uh, oh, like... <laughs> also, can we just like yeah. reminisce at when fifteen billion dollars was a lot of money to rush a project? <laughs> <laughs> like, it'll take ten no. years to finish this. We need it done in three months. Yeah. How much will that cost? I don't know, fifteen billion dollars. And I'm thinking like. Uh, that's nothing man like google yeah. could throw that like with a sneeze in the thing that's like the scene in austin powers when um oh, yeah. dr oh, yeah. evil becomes unfrozen and he says he wants a million dollars and everyone just laughs at him yeah there's a lot of austin powers in this it's like the laser bees mm. yeah it was also pretty jarring seeing the hacker guy with floppy disks <laughs> yes like and bubblegum yeah, wrap. Like well, I had to actually go and look up. Then. The core is only fifteen years old. Like that doesn't seem like a long time yeah. to have gone from. No. Like I, I'm looking at it now. My well, computer doesn't I even have a CD started, drive. I started my undergrad in 2001, and for the first two years of my undergrad, I was using floppy disks. Well, uh, it, 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 it was it, the the bubblegum thing was interesting because uh, where he did the rapper long distance charges being a I, thing is also just yeah yeah that like yeah. like fifteen years ago like I uh, I uh, the for the people who don't know uh, there's a scene where uh, they have the hacker takes a bubblegum wrapper and blows through it as as a whistle of sorts and uses it to give the guy free long distance that was actually possible in like 1990. Uh, that uh, that which was like fifteen years before, before the movie. movie. Uh, yeah. like that's called freaking with a ph. Uh, that's probably more information than anybody ever wanted to know about hacking. Uh, but it was the thing you could do because that's how how phone systems worked. That's not how phone systems worked in two thousand one uh, or mm-hmm. two thousand five, whatever this year was. Um, yeah. Anyway. So if it was two thousand five, yeah, no, no floppy disk, and I think it was everybody was using the Tudorus thing. To, to, to. The to thing. So, but that does mean that this movie pioneered Unobtainium before James Cameron yes, found Pandora. I which think, is an excellent I think segue. that's actually why they went to Pandora, was we needed more of these drill ships. We need more Unobtainium right. in case the core fails us again. So, how about that Unobtainium? So, Unobtainium is this crazy metal that gets stronger the more heat and pressure that it's subjected to. <laughs> also, it generates an electric charge the more heat and pressure it's subjected to. This is like yeah. I think the writers had Who heard Who cares of, about thermodynamics? Uh, well, so, like, there are piezoelectric materials where when you apply a physical stress, they generate an electric charge. That's I've electric had it explained work. to me. I read the Wikipedia article. I'm pretty sure it's black magic. Um... <laughs> the quartz structure kicks up an electron whenever it moves, and then I generate electric charge through that. Like I said, black magic. <laughs> so, are you talking about the part when we're starting violating the laws of thermodynamics? Yes. Exactly. That's, oh, yeah. Okay, 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 okay. Just to make sure that I'm understanding. But J- Jim is laying no, out the a... science. There's also thermal electric generators, which. Uh, convert heat flux directly into electricity and they basically said so these are things that exist they don't provide a lot of power but let's just combine them into one that also doesn't break and may or may not be from an alien planet 
with blue people. Well, I mean, so like the thing with both of those is that they need to have a th thermoelectric generator. You need to have one side that is cool and one side is that is hot. This and you create the, the electricity from the exchange from one, of heat from one side to yeah. the other. This does not provide that because otherwise you're cooking the people on the inside of the ship. So th this is the, the whole idea of heat exchange uh, that there is nowhere for the heat to go when you're down there. You know, if you have an engine, you you uh, can turn heat into uh, to energy because you have the the atmosphere is until global warming gets out of control cooler uh, than uh, than the inside of the engine. So you can create uh, you can create useful energy. But if you don't have that differential, then you can't create useful energy. The one thing that like they did kind of right is if you want to get through the crust, you would want to do it like with real technology. You'd want to do it at. Um, a plate boundary, which the Mariana Trench is. But you wouldn't want to do it at the Mariana Trench, because it's super deep, and there's plenty of plate boundaries that are thinner that don't have, like, 19 miles of water, or whatever it is. I don't know. Yeah, but then you wouldn't get the whales. Yeah, but then you wouldn't get the whales. Uh, as long as one of them. There's, there's a lot of places. I don't understand why if you're going to drill through, like, 3,000 miles of rock and core and mantle, why an extra, like, 7 miles of Utah is a problem. But... Yeah, but also, since since we're discussing that, um, drill all the way until you find somehow a gigantic hollow geode. Well, okay, I have a lot to say about that. Okay, I have a yes, lot to bring, say okay. about the stupid freaking geode underneath this... Okay, you talk about the geode, then I will let you rant. Okay, so you drill through crust, and then you got into the mantle... And I do believe that the geode was found at what, at a thousand meters or after kilometers. a thousand meters deep? Kilometer, sorry, kilometers, thank you. Uh, kilometers deep, right? Okay. Let's just imagine a normal, not the core, how a geode works. Okay, so you have a bunch of magma coming out and you need a cooling process for crystals to actually generate. That actually happens in a sequence. And you, for to have perfectly, perfectly formed crystals, you need the space and the time for that crystals to actually generate perfectly as big as they were. So that doesn't happen instantaneously. That happens in millions of years, maybe, for to be that big, uh, to be that big. And that happens, again, when they come out into the cross, into the atmosphere, and they have the conditions to cool down. And it happens in a specific sequence that is actually called the Bowen sequence, where crystals, uh, they start from more calcius, I think, for the non-calcius, and the last crystal to crystallize is actually quartz. And I do believe that those were quartz crystals, so they look like it at least, from the way that they were, from, from their... From the shape? The jackass scientist who yeah. ruins everything, he's like, it's an amethyst crystal! It's like, yeah, exactly. There's always one of those. No, so the last one to crystallize is quartz. So you need to be almost outside, not at a thousand kilometers deep when everything is melted. Right, so so wouldn't the crystals would just melt, like even if yeah. there's like a cobalt shell, sure. which is like what I think they said. Nothing would An keep the heat out, right? Slows the rate of heat transfer. It doesn't 
stop it permanently. If those things are down there for the millions of years that it would take to form, you know, a kilometer wide geode full of 50 meter crystals or whatever, you'd still have a thermodynamic equilibrium established and all the heat would eventually make it through and still melt everything. Exactly. So that would not existed, not at that, not at those depths. Like the tomography, tomography has actually imaged the crust, which has a lot of quartz in it. And by the time you get to what is called the 660 discontinuity, it's also melted or actually disappearing. Like there are very few places in the world where you can actually have a slab that can be imaged that deep and nothing below that one. So it is not conceivable that we actually have a perfectly formed geode at a thousand or more kilometers deep. I'm not a geologist, but somehow it seems unlikely that you have like a kilometer wide geode perfectly formed no, inside it, it of kilometers of mantle no, and crust. No, it's you just can't. not possible. Like it's not possible. Also, the entire movie seems to like think that like if something is a fluid, that it's like water. If you go and watch some YouTube videos of magma, it's a lot closer to like a super thick pudding. And even that's the runny stuff. Molten rock is still rock. It's still heavy. It takes a lot of force to move it, a lot of energy. It moves slowly. It's very sticky. It doesn't just, like, flow. No, and if it is true that in some circumstances, like, the mantle has these uh, characteristics that, depending on the time frame that you're studying, you could actually consider the mantle as solid rock or as a fluid system. And that depends very much on the time scale that you're using to study those rocks. But they are still rocks. Like, part that is liquid is the inner core, not the mantle. So it's not that liquid gooey thing that they had for that. It's, no. The diamonds that they form at the mantle core discontinuity, that's also not possible. For the record, diamonds for at 160 kilometers, not at 2,000. Also, diamonds start to convert back to graphite at like 6,000 degrees or something like that. Like, uh... Exactly. <laughs> So, which would be graphite that... Same thing. Quartz, which are what those giant crystals that pinned their machine that drills through rock, somehow uh, got stuck on a rock. And then they start seeing all the lava come in at 5,000 degrees or whatever they said it was. That's way hotter than quartz's melting temperature. Uh, They could have just went back inside and, like, waited for it to melt. And then, uh, you know, not had the commander die. Quartz uh, melting temperature is above 750 cent- Celsius. Yeah, that's uh, around 2,000 or so Fahrenheit. <laughs> I, I, I think on the metric system. Jenny, you have to you, 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 you have to realize 14, that not every 1,400 Fahrenheit. But yes, so. we we don't do that here, unfortunately. That's a lower that's a lower temperature than you generally have to cremate bodies at. Really. I believe it's about 2,000, if I remember correctly. I'm not a mortician, so... Yeah, so let's be generous and still say you've got 2,000 degrees worth of clay in your your heat window there to melt it. But no, we need to go and try and laser drill through the crystal instead of, you know, hitting it with a hammer. Which I would think would break it. Yeah, hit it with a hammer. You need to break a crystal? Hit it with a hammer. Mm Mm-hmm. I think would break it. It's not hard enough. 
Diamonds, very, very hard. Can scratch nearly anything. You hit it with a hammer, it's still gonna shatter. You might need a bigger hammer for diamond, well. So di diamonds are not forever? You have a lot of littler diamonds, right? Littler diamonds oh, yeah, are fair. forever. Uh... You know, you might need a uh, you might need a sledgehammer to take on the, you know, tree-sized quartz crystals. But you know, once you got a crack going, it would it would be pretty easy. Yeah, but still, like that thing of just cutting it, they could have their magic. Excuse me, the magic laser could have gone through the geode. I don't see why the geode would stop them. Also, did anyone else just find it like really weird how like laissez-faire they were about the commander dying? Yeah, they're like. Is it because it is it maybe because it was telegraphed since the very first scene he appeared that he was definitely going to die? It was like, oh, okay, we oh, got yeah. to that part of the script. Fair enough. I mean, it was obvious, right? It's like a like a it's a clear movie trope. You've got like the senior commander who's there to like train the like more sort of uh, the wilder, younger like operative who then is going to have to survive without his wise advice and has to remember what he told her in the beginning. It's obvious. It's like 101 of, you know, movie script and he was obviously going to die. Like but basically all of them die else. except the yeah. perfect Joe guy and the girl. Except except the two young white Americans, yes. And his his advice to um, Childs or whatever her name was was like ridiculous. It's like you're not ready to be a leader because you're too good at what you do and you never fail. <laughs> she was so good at what she does that without any sort of scientific training, she was able to understand the scientist's invention better than the scientist. That was also a part that I enjoyed particularly. Oh yeah, let me let me ex let me explain to you how your invention works. It's literally just telegraphing the Facebook. <laughs> yes, yeah, pretty much. You know, like the end of the movie, basically. How did that movie end again? Uh, with the birth of QAnon. I was fighting with the thing at that point. <laughs> no, the end of the end of the end of the movie is basically like the um, uh, confirmation of every like conspiracy oh, theory yeah, that... out there that there is going to be one hack, one hacker that's right. going yeah, to tell yeah, all the that... world about all of the things that, that like that's... mean scientists are doing. I I oh, also no, or, like or the, mean the, the mean government. Yeah, maybe maybe I missed it, but from the way I saw that ending, it kind of looked like he had only hacked that one mm -hmm. cyber cafe he was mm -hmm. in. And so I like the idea that he's just like, <laughs> I'm gonna let everyone know, and then he just lets everyone in the cyber cafe know. Yeah, it's, and, it's and, like, like fifteen people in Venice Beach. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and, and yes, I, 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 it is sweeter now. Look, looking back at me, the the internet tropes from uh, from the early two thousands. I was like, yeah, people will believe what's written on the internet. Yes. Uh, and oh god, people might believe what's written on the internet. I'm pretty uh, sure they had just as bad knowledge of computers as they did of everything else in this movie, because. Like, the hacker's like, I speak one language, binary. <laughs> and it's like, I'm pretty sure programming yeah, I, languages I, I, have I, I, since, like, the 70s. I, I, I would have, yeah, I would have smacked him. If Maybe it was a comment <laughs> about his sexuality and not computers. Could be. True. Uh, I just... Also, the two main characters flirting is just so awkward, and they keep doing it, and there's just You no mean the perfect Wait, guy in the gutter? Really, it was Maybe just kind of hideous. Yes. Uh, John, that was the part when you basically told me yeah. that that's why you needed to be a college professor so you could go to the Earth and participate in missions like that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, uh, I'm, I'm sure one day I'll have to be like shrunk down to a tiny vessel and sent to someone's brain uh, to be able to, to solve it. One would hope that the astronauts or the, the intronauts or whatever does this 
uh, are slightly more sane. Uh, but you know, uh, you know, you read a couple stories about uh, about what the astronauts have done in the past, with like you know driving across the country to to try to murder someone. That's uh, certainly you know I'm not, doesn't spark a huge also, amount of confidence. There's uh, also been stories from the ISS. Uh, a number of people from NASA have said off mm -hmm. the official record have happened that sometimes the astronauts just get fed up with mission control and just turn off all the cameras. And then who knows what goes on. Yeah, they, they, they have confirmed that at least once, and those um, yeah, they went on strike for a day. Speaking uh, of that, actually, I'd love yeah. to know who their, like, telecom providers are that they can, like, communicate immediately between the surface and, like, however many thousand kilometers it is under the ground. I'm assuming it's not Sprint It's not AT&T, <laughs> I will tell you that. Uh... You know, there are times I struggle to get, like a cell signal if I'm like, you know, kind of in rural wherever, but like they have instantaneous, perfectly cured communications from the inside of the fucking planet. At all times. Even in the core. Yes. At all times. Okay. So let let's let's actually go to the last part of the movie. Uh in the core, now that we have that beautiful segue. Nuclear weapons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How big is the core, and could, could you restart it with, with I think they said a gigaton or 1.3 gigatons? They also had a little bit of extra plutonium from the reactor in the end that they could, like, beef it up a little bit. <laughs> oh, fucking hell. Like, you can't just toss a plutonium uh, into a nuclear explosion and be like, it'll blow up, too. That's what plutonium does. <laughs> <laughs> Would you be able to do a ripple effect in the core? Well, okay, okay. So, if I remember correctly, I don't know because from basically the cross to the inner core, they were basically on a liquid thing. Now, we have to remember that after the, the discontinuity of the boundary between the mantle and the outer core, the outer core is classified as liquid while the mantle is not, it's actually rock. The way that we do know that is because with earthquakes, we measure, since the earthquake happens to whatever the receptors are, we measure the travel times from one to the other. And there is actually a very good record of basically the travel times from certain different parts to the air to other receptors, depending on where you are in the world. And there is a point where S-wave, they just disappear. Like the P wave, they just plume, but the S wave, they do not. Because they do not travel in water. I... P waves are primary waves, is what you actually see first in a seismogram, because they travel faster. S wave, where actually are, uh, they, are, they travel behind those waves, they're called secondary wave, or in some cases, they're also surface waves as well. They because they are they move like the P wave they move in a compression so like, like way the, the... so they move like back and forth so it's if you move a drop uh, drop a rock in the water you would see the ripple effect that is a compression wave but you would not see any shear wave like you would not see anything in this in this plane of uh, in the vertical plane of sorry I'm sorry I'm, I forget that I'm in audio and not in a camera so it's hard to explain uh, but in like in the vertical plane of motion that just doesn't happen at least not in liquids. So S-wave do not happen. But in the movie, you don't see a difference between the, 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 the liquidness of the outer core. So I don't know if, sorry, inner core. So I don't know if they're actually in the inner core or in the mantle, but let's assume that you are in the inner core. So assuming that we're there, so mm -hmm. can you repeat the question again for people okay. to remember because I think I forgot. 
with, with, with nuking the core work, could, could, could we be able to uh, to to okay, move so a trillion 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 pounds of, of rock? Five and they're trying to generate this huge amount of energy. Well, they're they're assuming that they're trying to generate this energy with just five little bombs without having the effects of the actual, the other waves that can actually are the ones that generate the, the damage. I'm not sure that that's possible, but I don't have the equations. Also, if they were able to generate that amount of energy to restart the, to the restart the core, they would have tested first and that would probably destroy the earth in the plant, in, in, the, in the process. So it, it, it seems that the energy doesn't well, scale to like a, like to like they just put it in, per, in like in, in earthquake scale. Like the biggest earthquake has been nine point four, and every time that we have an earthquake that is bigger than eight, that actually has an effect on even the rotation and the the axis of the Earth. It has moved slightly with every major earthquake. It has moved slightly a little bit. There is a belief that an earthquake that is more than nine point five can actually break the earth in two. It has not happened. So in order to generate enough energy to restart the core, you would actually have to actually create enough energy compared to one of those earthquakes. And that didn't happen. So um, a 9.0 earthquake, uh, according to this source here, uh, from the Center for Earthquake Research and Information from the USGS, a 9.0 earthquake releases energy equal to 99 million tons of TNT. So, uh, 99 megatons. So, 200 megatons is still more than the largest earthquake we've ever had. The USGS also seems to say on another page I found that the Earth's outer core weighs, give or take, a few million trillion tons. Uh, 724 million trillion tons. Getting that to start rotating, you're not going to do with five 200 megaton nukes. Right. So like, e e the, the largest earthquake was lo localized to one area and it was... It slowed the Earth by like, you know, far less than a second. Even if you're trying to just move a small portion of the Earth and you have more to get it rotating again at whatever speed they said. I think in the movie they said a thousand miles an hour. You're not going to do it with a nuke. So the, 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 the big problem here seems to be just that. Rock is uh, heavy. The, uh, the, the core, rock is heavy and really, the core is really, yeah, really big. the core big. is really, really big, really, really dense, and really, 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 really heavy. And even though nukes are really big, they are not really, 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 big. really big. Like, it just put it in perspective. Like, we, we know that we can destroy the air with earthquakes, and it hasn't happened, and yeah. they need more energy to start. I think setting off a bunch of nukes in the core is a bad idea, supposing you can get down there for a number of reasons, because that pressure does have to go somewhere, and I don't know if it wouldn't try and find its way out through volcanoes or earthquakes or stuff like that. But but that's the question. Like, that amount of energy didn't affect these two little dudes that they were in the core. They just were like, oh, yeah, it worked. Let's go back up. Well, they surfed. The what? They, that, that's how, clearly how it works. Uh, they just surfed their way no, up on not. the wave. Yeah, they did. They absolutely... That was, I think that was, that was the that idea. Was the was idea. Their, uh, they're riding the, the, the wave of 
rock. No, but the amount of energy would have killed him. That's where you're drawing the line. Yes. Like there, there are lots of things scientists. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, wait, are you saying that Indiana Jones would have survived, wouldn't have survived oh that God. nuclear weapon when he got into the refrigerator? Well, that uh. just breaks my immersion. <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't just that, right? They used the unobtainium right. to transform the like thermal energy back into um, the heat, back into energy, so that they could get the, the the ship to work again and get them all the way back to the surface. And then, because it was cold, then because it was cold, they had to be saved by whales. Yeah. Um, not really a science problem with this, but like they have this <laughs> felon hacker who like hacks the entire internet to keep basically so that like the public doesn't know that something's going wrong, despite the birds and the pacemakers and the uh, San Francisco Melting. having a death ray burn across it, and you know everything else. Rome nothing. being destroyed by by lightning. <laughs> I forgot about that. The fucking Colosseum explodes. Yeah, I mean... It just happens. Don't worry about it. Uh, Well, and my question about that was, I don't know enough about... I don't imagine that type of... That would happen with that type of material. rock and it's got air bubbles or water or water in it, and, like, there's a lot of minerals that have water in the chemical structure. Or if you take, like, a river rock that has water in it or air bubbles and you throw it into a fire, it'll pop in half because the air expands. Oh, so, so that seems realistic. Get rocks how to much explode. heat? So, how much heat would it take to make the Colosseum blow up? Um, a lot. <laughs> uh, the bigger thing is <laughs> lightning doesn't like. It's not like a sci-fi death laser where it just keeps striking and like storing energy until it explodes. It just releases the energy. It actually that looked like Zeus and Thor were just mad at the Colosseum. It was refreshing to see a non-American landmark get blown up for once, though. No, but then they came back to San Francisco and they melted the Golden Bridge by keeping the cars alive. I still thought it was fun to see the Colosseum turns transformed into a plasma ball. That was pretty neat to watch. Um, Still don't understand, though. The U.S. government had this earthquake gun, I guess. Why is it on the internet? (laughs) Well, I mean, okay, that that actually is realistic in the sense that, that... Have you seen the stupid shit they've done with like IT security? What do you mean by earthquake machine? A virus? There is interestingly an entire Wikipedia article on tectonic weapons. Uh, they they yeah would. That's how it's yeah, called. Uh, but uh, that that that. Wait, I'm searching this. Uh, <laughs> okay. Well, uh, so I think that, that is, does anyone have any other general comments about the movie before we wrap up? Because we got it sucks. The only other thing, but this is like honestly a general <laughs> comment on most movies that are kind of like this, is just the general depiction of scientists. Like there's just a general representation of scientists between the like classic tropes of like obviously the disheveled academic scientist can't even tie his own tie to the you know world uh collection of experts on this field are like four americans and one like caricature of a french man and the the like bad guy scientist like whole reason that like you're supposed to feel like that he's evil is because he's you know, written a couple books and become kind of like a pop yeah. culture scientist. And like, listen, we all know, 
pop culture scientists who are not necessarily the greatest people, but like how many scientists do you know that if someone approaches them to try to talk about science or their work, their reaction is, oh, okay, no, I'll sign your autograph. Seriously. I know at least one. I think I know who you're talking about. You? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, no, not me. No. Uh, I, I mean, not usually, yeah. uh, but... <laughs> But yeah, no, that's that's it. There's just like the generally the representation of scientists and these things always like is caricatural and it irritates me and it's always the same exact tropes and it's always the same sort of. Actually, on the, another movie about that, I actually in that one I have I do have a lot to say about like that actually would be a master class on seismology. Which movie? The one with the rock. What San, Andreas, called, San Andreas, yeah. I think. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. So in that one, I actually, I, I have to say that the first five minutes of that movie were accurate. The rest was not. <laughs> uh, and actually, I could spend a whole seismology talking to you about how the different types of holes play tectonics and why things in the movie could not happen at all. Is it more realistic than this movie? The, scientific, the, the way that they actually they portray the seismologists and the scientists, probably, yes. I mean, but that's the, the definition of a low bar. And that's... <laughs> yeah you gotta go pretty yeah. far into i mean a, a science movie i think one this. of the conclusions we can make out of this conversation is that as far as science goes in the core is yes the earth has a core and that's yeah. kind of it thank you for listening stay tuned for the new episodes on the first of each month let us know what you think and what films we should cover next in your review of the podcast or on social media you can find us at tasteofscience.org slash Houston or on social media at tasteofsci-h-o-u. Tosh After Dark was created by Taste of Science Houston, including John Flynn and Pedro Sampaio. Tosh After Dark is edited by Jim Ansley and Shea Detta, produced by Ariel Ehrman, and theme song by Alex Oriani. Our weird science fact today is that one of the scientific experts consulted for the making of the core was Dr. David Stevenson of Caltech. After talking to the producers, he thought of a scientifically possible way to perhaps send an unmanned probe to the core. His idea was actually published in the prestigious science journal Nature on 15th of May, 2003. Catch you next time. Taste of science.